So we welcome you. Um, Y'all look lovely today. If no one's told you that yet. I was going, thank you. I was just fishing for a compliment. No. It was, yesterday I spent the day, we had uh, Blake and Spencer over and I spent like hours going through papers. I had a giant pile of papers and said I'm gonna get out from under these things and sort through them and a lot of them were dad's records for, from the church. And in that was a bunch of uh, polls that were taken where uh, he played a bunch of music. Do you remember that? And, and everybody had a piece of paper to write on the piece of paper what they thought of each song. One of them, I think, said, yuck, stop. Uh, I don't, there were no names associated with it, although I definitely recognized some of the handwriting, at least for my own family. But it was very funny. Uh, maybe I'll bring those in. It, it, you know, they were like, I, I, I saw my own, and a lot of those songs were like from the 80s, New Harvest, and, you know, groups that aren't around anymore for good reason. So um, not as many classics, but uh, it, it was fun. fun, fun to reminisce. So today we're going to look in the now and into the future, and uh, we're going to lift our hearts to the Lord. And so let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity. We're always thankful for the opportunity, God, the opportunity to be in your house, the opportunity to fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, being a body of Christ, all part of one. And so today, Heavenly Father, we want to just magnify you, glorify the name of Jesus, to set aside all, Lord God, that the world throws at us, God, and today focus, right now, focus on you. We ask that you prepare our hearts for worship, that you prepare our hearts to receive from you. Heavenly Father, all that you have, all the blessings, Lord God, all the filling of your spirit, the moving of your spirit, and we want to concede control, Lord God. We want to hand over the reins of power and control of this service, of this time, of your house here to you, that you move freely in your way, in your time. Amen. Okay, you'll be needing your books today, but before we get started, I want to each one of you, all of us, to invite Jesus into his house today. Lord God, we invite you into this place. We invite you into this house, Lord God. We invite your holy presence, Lord. We invite you to be with us, Lord God, and we just want to be with you, Lord. We want to feel your presence, Lord. I praise you, Lord God, because you're good and kind and loving, Lord, and we need you, and we want you, Lord. We want you, Lord. We want connection and closeness with you, Lord. So come into this house, Lord God. Inhabit our praises. Be with us, Lord God. Be close to us. Be near us, Lord. We invite you, Lord God. We love you, Lord. And we we just want to glorify who you are. Okay, well, our first song, page 97, He Set Me Free. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat>
celebrate that freedom this morning. We celebrate the freedom in Christ Jesus, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. We are not bound to our sinful ways. We're not bound to our sinful nature any longer, Lord. You set the captives free, Father. We accept that. We accept that, Lord. Thank you, God. Please turn to page 100. He touched me.
could just keep playing. We often have folks come up for prayer at the end of service or kneeling at your, at your pew, but let's just take this time in the presence of God to be
but you really have to be trying sometimes to see if they understand. Keep your strength is strong. Yes. Keep going. Yes. I love you. Come with you. Yes. Remember, you have a God, you have a pattern. Follow me. Yes. Come on. But I think the Lord can speak in lots of different ways if we're listening. And in the past few weeks, I have come to know something for a fact. It's not me. It's not about me. It's not what I study or I don't study or I pray or I don't pray. It's the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want to hear from this morning, the Holy Spirit, in whatever manner he chooses to move. I also want to say this morning that I feel like almost everything that could have gone wrong this morning did. But I'm going to be obedient to the Lord anyway. And I've asked Don to do a presentation at the end of this message about a pending piece of legislation that's in the Senate right now that if it's passed will affect every woman, every child, and every Christian that you know, literally. That is not an exaggeration. And I think it's very important that we know and we talk about and understand what this is, is what it means and what we can do about it. So I'm gonna ask Don this when we get done this morning to tell us about that. However, I completely understand there may be some who prefer not to stay for this presentation, and that is perfectly fine. We certainly want you to feel free to leave when you're ready. And also, if the parents are in agreement, if the kids want to go to the back room, that's fine too. That's up to you guys. You you can decide that. starting at about 
40 to 43rd chapter. I'll plant in the desert the cedar. Do you need a cedar tree planted in your desert? <laughs> Fruitful, shadeful, beautiful. and hoarse and dry and nervous and all of that, but if the Lord will help me, I'll get through it.
crucifixion where Jesus told the disciples you can just stay there a minute Don to wait in Jerusalem for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and power and after they were filled with power they had a built-in ready-to-go call to action and they began boldly spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ in all the area. Between Acts chapters 2 and 9, the newly born, spirit-filled church. Now, these were the same people who were formerly dyed-in-the-wool Jews by the book Jews that had become converted to Christianity following Jesus. <clears throat> they were called to action to spread the gospel and they preached Christ with a fervor they'd never known before. Peter and John had their very first healing after having been baptized <clears throat> with the Holy Spirit when they prayed for the lame man at the beautiful gate. And they said, we don't have any money to give you, but what we've got, we're so willing to share with you. And little did they know, little did that lame man know that what he got was so far greater. He got his healing than any coins that they could have given him as an offering. And when the onlookers accused them of being drunk, Peter stood up and said, oh, no, no, we're not drunk. This is what the prophet Joel told about in the Old Testament. And God said these words, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And I, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. 
and on my servants and my handmaids. I will outpour in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And he wasn't done, and he said, I will do wonders above, in the heavens above, and signs in the earth beneath, and blood and fires and vapors of smoke you will see. The, the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, and before that great and notable day of the Lord comes, it shall come to pass, it shall come to pass, that whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We need to see that come to pass yes. now. Yes. And I point out to you, we've seen some very notable things happening. We've seen signs and wonders in the past year or so in the heavens, in the earth. We've seen storms that were completely unrecorded in previous times. We've seen earthquakes, volcanoes, ice storms that had never been recorded, a ship getting caught sideways in the Suez Canal. Every one of these things have been prophesied by people that I pay attention to and listen to in the last year alone. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 8, after Stephen, would you get me a couple of Kleenex, please? After Stephen was baptized in the Holy Spirit, verse 8 says, And Stephen, being full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Thank you. I don't know what I'd do without him. And there arose certain of the synagogue, you know, those religious ones, who said, they were, they were disputing with Stephen and arguing with him. And they formed a fake council. They got a fake judge, a fake jury, and held him on fake charges in a mockery fake trial. What does that sound to you like? And in conclusion of Stephen's wonderful defense, if you get a chance to read Acts chapter 6 this week, I highly recommend his wonderful defense was all about what Jesus did. He said in conclusion, Oh, ye stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost, and you persecute the prophets of God, just like your fathers did. And verse 54 says, when they, the fake council and all their cohorts, heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Why? Because they couldn't tolerate the truth. They couldn't hear the truth. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. Such demonic displays going on there. But Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up into heaven and he saw the glory of God. He saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God, waiting 
to usher him home. And chapter 8 begins telling us with the onlooking approval of Saul, they stoned Stephen to death. For he'd been the one, Saul had been the one behind the organization of this, the persecution of the church, the brand new church, the disciples, and certainly Stephen. He had been called, Saul had been called to action for the wrong side. But in Acts chapter 8, verse 3, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and dragging men and women and committed them to prison. And the next verse says, what about that call to action? Therefore, the disciples were scattered abroad and they went everywhere preaching the word of God. It did not stop them. They did not lose their call and they just moved about and kept boldly preaching the word of God. So chapter nine, yes, we're gonna get there, begins with Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, proceeded on the road to Damascus with the purpose to obtain letters of the high priest to put a stop once and for all to all of this nonsense as he thought it was to those who were called to action by the Holy Spirit of God. But if you can listen just a few more minutes, because on this road to Damascus, to do this evil deed, Jesus himself paid a little visit to Saul. And believe it or not, Jesus selected him. He wanted him to work for his cause because he wanted to use the very attributes that Saul had. Think about it. His drive, his zeal, his knowledge of the law, his knowledge of Jewish customs, and his influence over others, his unrelenting dedication to his call to action. And when Paul was converted, Acts 9.20 says, and straightway he preached Christ immediately. He didn't turn back, he straightway preached Christ in the synagogues that Christ is the Son of God. And all that heard him were amazed and said, is not this the same one who destroyed everybody who called on this very name in Jerusalem and came here to Damascus for the very purpose of bringing those people bound to prison, to the high priest? What a transformation. And from that point on, Paul remained faithful to his call to action that he received from the Lord Jesus himself. And 931 says, then the churches had rest throughout all Judea 
and Galilee and Samaria, Samaria, and they were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I know that this has been weird and different, and you may be thinking, what in the world is she doing? <laughs> but I also know the Lord put this on my heart. We have a call to action, too. What is our call? I don't even know what that fully means. Maybe you don't either, but I know this. The church continues today to be pressed, to be suppressed to be oppressed, but even in that, as we saw with the disciples, God is working in his body. We seem to be a little bit secluded in our body here. We're kind of sheltered among ourselves, but there are massive churches that today, I believe God is dealing with the leadership, the format, the spirit of those churches, and he is pouring out his spirit for a new call to action. Does he want to let those people go? No, not at all, but to bring them in to his fold and to his spirit. I have been praying this week, Lord, I don't really even know what my call to action is. I thought I did for 45 years. I knew what my call was. It's a little different now. Maybe yours is too. But we have a call to action. Pray and ask the Lord, Father, what's my call? What actions can I do? You know, you may feel like for all these reasons, I can't do very much. But you can pray. <laughs> you can pray. And the Holy Spirit, oh God, behold, I do a new thing. It won't be as before. I know that the church will never, ever be what it was before. Just like the Jews, the disciples, they were never the same when the Holy Spirit was outpoured on that day of Pentecost. And I am looking for, I truly am looking for an outpouring like we've never seen. Mm -hmm. I want to see our children involved. I want to see the oldest ones here involved. Every one of us called to action before the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Can we just bow our heads and pray for a minute? Oh, Jesus.
so thankful for the presence of the Lord. I'm thankful that he does things his way. And just want to be a vessel and be yielded to him. Father, we thank you for your blessings on us today. We call you blessed today, Lord, and we are looking to you. We are beholding you, Lord, to see that new thing, to see those that come in, Lord, immediately accept Jesus Christ and your spirit to be outpoured in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And I'm going to ask Don to go ahead and get ready. This is a piece of legislation, as I said, that is, if it's adopted, it's going to be a very bad thing for the country. And he's going to tell us about it and uh, why we need to be called to action, to be honest. Listening to that sermon, I was thinking, imagine how the people of God, people just starting to follow Christ, they see Paul, Saul, tormenting the people, tormenting Christians. Just the worst offender. I mean, imagine if you could put your finger on a person right now or through history who tormented the people of God. That was him. And when Stephen was murdered, it would be easy for them to say, we've lost. This is a defeat. You know, our movement has suffered a blow, not just one guy, but the, the threat of death of all of them at the hands of Saul. And I had not really ever thought of it this way, but for, for, for God to take that man and use him. I mean, yes, he had some traits that God used in his ministry, but so I'm sure did other good men. There was something about what God did in picking him that was a defeat of the enemy. Now, if you were a Christian at the time, you would have said, no, no, no. I don't want him anywhere near us. I don't care that his heart can be changed. Look at what he's done. God picked somebody else. But there was something God was doing to the enemy. I can take your worst and I can show up in his face and turn him on a dime and have him do my will. So as we see the people in, in our government, and as I'm, I'm going to speak to that, God can take any one of them. And just as a show of force, power, God's will, turn them on a dime and have them do his will instead of the will of the enemy. Now, some of us might see it and go, no, 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 God, please don't use that person. That's not our choice. It's his. But we can pray, God, raise up a Paul and give us the stomach to accept them um, just to show that he can and give the enemy that blow. Well, um, oh, I don't need that. Um, as, as mom said, we, we wanted to go over this. Uh, you don't have to look far to find information on the Equality Act. Um, as it relates to the church. And that's because churches are getting very active right now 
in connection with this pending legislation as they should be uh, because this targets the church. And so I, I wrote some things up and I'm just gonna read through it if you'll uh, forgive me for doing it that way. Uh, I don't have it all memorized, but Genesis uh, 5, 2 says, male and female, he created them and he blessed them. The Equality Act takes issue with this statement. The Equality Act would consider this to be hate speech and those who hold this truth, bigots. Because the Equality Act would elevate elective sexual orientation like, like a practice of homosexuality and elective gender identification like transgenderism, choosing, you know, I, I was a biological woman but now I'm going to choose to be a man, elevates these elective characteristics to the level of inherent characteristics like race or gender. H.R. 5, or the Equality Act, makes taking or holding positions against these elective lifestyles equal to racism or sexism. The difference should be obvious to us. As a people created by God in His image, we recognize that He made us male and female. He made us in all different shapes, sizes, and various ethnicities and skin colors. He did this so we celebrate his creation. That is why being racist or sexist, hating others on the basis of their ethnicity or their gender, is an affront to God. It's an attack on his creation. Homosexuality or choosing to identify as a gender other than how you were created by God, your biological gender, is also an attack on God's creation. Both are sinful, both challenge God's natural order, design, and creation. The Equality Act positions homosexuality and other sinful sexual lifestyles, as well as self-proclaimed well self gender identifications as equal or greater to that which God designed and created. It gets worse than that. For the first time that I can recall, it forces the church to do the same. And this is a primary reason why we are discussing this issue in church this morning. Similar legislation expanding rights of gay and lesbian and transgender persons have traditionally included a faith based exemption. Churches could continue to exclude such persons from roles within the church where their lifestyle does not comport with the word of God based on a church's sincerely held beliefs and biblical truth. Churches could refuse to offer, for example, health care to employees of a church that would provide for abortion or pay for gender reassignment surgery. Not so under the Equality Act. By the way, the law that typically would protect churches and people of faith from being subject to these other types of federal legislation that might otherwise impinge upon the church's sincerely held beliefs is called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And it was introduced by Chuck Schumer in partnership with Ted Kennedy in 1993 and signed into effect by Bill Clinton. 
after unanimous approval in the House and near unanimous approval in the Senate. I think there were three people in the Senate that didn't go along. How far we've come in 30 years. So this law, the Equality Act, not law yet, this bill, this act does not include a religious exemption. In fact, it explicitly carves out protection from the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. That is not an accident. Here's how that would work in practice. If this law passes, lawyers will select plaintiffs, people who may be gay, lesbian, or transgender, identify as another gender than what they were created to be to seek roles within a church or employment with a religious organization. Maybe to enter a bathroom that is labeled as boy or girl, man or woman, when they are biologically of the other gender. And when they, they are inevitably not hired, asked to leave, or terminated from that role, lawsuits will be brought citing this legislation. The end game here is to force churches to submit to our wicked society and ultimately to grant some sort of coerced normalization of what is really just wicked behavior. Now I'm focusing on the church here because we are in church, but of course this is going to apply to all public available places. That means every store, every facility, every publicly available, every place open to the public is going to be under the same conditions. Now, some are welcoming that, right? But others are in the same position as the church and want nothing to do with this. Unfortunately, this is only the beginning of the scope of this law. This bill would, always go, would also go to great lengths to expand abortion rights. The premise is that a woman could not be equal to a man if there was restrictions of any kind on abortion, and that includes minors, kids. The law would permit those who recently identify as a different gender to use the bathroom of the opposite gender with the protection of law. This has already resulted in several cases of attacks and abuses against women and girls in public restrooms and the restrooms of publicly available facilities. Opposing that activity would be illegal under this act. This so-called Equality Act seems to really take aim against girls and women. Beyond endangering women and girls in restrooms and locker rooms, it would force the treatment, you probably heard this in the news, of male athletes that identify as females to be allowed to participate in female sports programs in schools, religious organizations and institutions, wherever these sports are occurring, and destroy female sports as we know them. Instances of, the, instances of this have already been seen around the nation. This law would protect this ridiculous activity with federal legal protection. States have already attempted to enact laws opposing these measures in anticipation of the Equality Act passing. Those conflicting laws will be challenged in court on preemption grounds. Constitutionally, because the state laws conflict with the federal law on the same matter. Under the Constitution, the federal laws would prevail. So even states composed of vast majorities of people opposed to these ideas will be dragged along. Now this all clearly seems to be an attack against God and his church 
and his design in the innocence of life and children. There is an insidious spirit behind this activity. It is not just man. This legislation has existed in draft form since the late 70s. It has picked up a lot of steam along the way. You can only imagine all these details were not there in the 70s, but it's been revised again and again and again, introduced every few years to be passed. Only now do they see a real possibility of passing it. The House already has. It has already passed the House, and it is being debated even now within the Senate. Now, with the filibuster in place, it likely cannot pass because it will not get the two-thirds majority needed to overcome the filibuster. However, many in the Senate have already stated that the filibuster, which has existed since 19, or I'm sorry, 1806 as a Senate rule, is now getting in the way of their extremist ideology and needs to be done away with. What this really means is that their proposed legislation is very unpopular but that it must pass at all costs, and it must pass now. And all who oppose will be labeled as they are now, racists, bigots, sexists, etc. Like I said, there is an insidious spirit behind this. Now, I've only scratched the surface of the detail of what this bill will do. See, they've been at it for a very long time. They've been sticking little things in. Uh, the abortion angle was only, I think, recently discovered that the way things were drafted was such that all restrictions on abortion would be deemed in violation of the Equality Act. The Equality Act elevates these positions that I've described to the same positions of race and gender, male, female, as we know them today under the Civil Rights Act. So the Civil Rights Act, you all know, protect against discrimination of, based on, this, on, on, on race or gender or the color of your skin. But this elevates these elective lifestyles to the same level. And it, again, forces this upon, for the first time, churches and the people of God. California already restricts the ability of churches and counselors to counsel homosexuals or transgender persons out of that lifestyle. This bill will federalize that law. This bill allows the governments to step between parents and their children in a number of ways by considering that the child's so-called health is better handled by the government than the parents. By health, this means a child wanting an abortion or to change genders by undergoing hormone therapy or surgery because this is what they're being taught in their public schools, driven by the same spirits. We have already seen instances of this in other countries and in other certain states, but again this law federalizes the issue. Enough has been said to raise concern. So the question is then what can we do? Now the number one thing we can do is pray. That God will destroy the intentions the evil intentions of these politicians led by the prince of the air. Pray that this legislation, the Equality Act, will fail and that those promoting it will be cast down. 
Nothing the enemy does or that man does on the enemy's behalf will validate sin in the eyes of God. Attempts to force us as a church, as people of faith, specifically people of Christ, to call these sinful acts okay will make it so. Partnering with the enemy will not change the truth no matter how badly the enemy wishes it were so. Satan has been trying to normalize sin since Adam and Eve were convinced that God did not really mean do not eat that fruit. Now we are not perfect, we are not without sin, but we are willing to obey God and adopt his position, the Bible's position, the truth on all of these matters. We are willing to take a stand against sin. Now the enemy has people, men and women, in positions of power in this country that seek to target the church for taking the stand that we've taken since the beginning. To force acceptance, compliance, and ultimately destroy our witness. We will not let them do so. In addition to prayer, we intend to join with other churches by sending a letter on behalf of Calvary Temple to our elected officials in the Senate demanding that they not approve this legislation. You can do the same on an individual basis if you choose. We can provide you with template letters, emails, contact information, phone numbers. Now we have no illusion that our politicians will read each of our letters and wring their hands with concern, they cannot ignore millions of responses, millions of letters, and millions of voices from their constituents. I would like us to pray in a moment. Yes, Mom? Any wonder? We will. But we're going to pray now. We can, we can share the details of the letter um, in a moment, um, but we're going to pray now. They can shut down their phone systems, they can ignore, ignore their emails. Folks, they know what they're doing is wrong. They know the truth. They know what they're doing is wrong, and they know it's not the will of the people. They're not interested in our voices because they know what they're going to hear. But we're not going to stand idly by and do nothing. We are going to lift this before the Lord. So this morning, Heavenly Father, we lift this before you. We identify the Equality Act, as it's called. And we bind every effort to pass that in the Senate. Every effort to make that the law of this land. We proclaim this land as a land of the Almighty God and not the Prince of the Air. So we pray against this so-called Equality Act, this bill, this act, Lord God, that it be bound in heaven and bound on earth, that everyone promoting it and seeking to pass it be cast down, find a stumbling block in every step they take, and that ultimately, God, you prevail, your people prevail, and we will not be subject to, our children will not be subject to, our innocence will not be subject to this vile, vile thing. We call it out, Lord God. We call it out for what it is. It is an act of the enemy. It is an act of Satan. It is not an act of equality. 
It is not an act of freedom because there is no freedom apart from you and you are not in this, God. So we call it out today that in the United States of America, the Equality Act fail, that it fall, that it be destroyed. Every effort, Lord God, every mention, Lord God, be cursed and cast down. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Amen, Jesus. Amen. We love you. We praise you. We know you protect your body. We are your people. We are your body. We are your bride, and you will protect your bride. And we look to you for all things, God. We dedicate this nation, this United States of America, to God. As it was in the beginning, so shall it be now. And you, Lord God, will reign in this place. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. Thank you, Almighty God. Amen. Does anyone have any questions? Just for the, for the record, uh, you know, some of you know that by trade, I'm an attorney. And so I've, I, my mom gave me a PowerPoint that had a lot of detailed references to the law and sections of the law and all the rest. You might say, well, some of the things you said might not be technically accurate. First of all, that's not true. Second of all, I've seen how these things go. And, you know, it, it, it's written in a certain way today. So, for example, most of these will apply to churches that have any sort of benefit from the government, including a tax benefit, 501c3, a charitable organization. But if you have a soup kitchen, if you help the poor, if you do anything in a charitable way, you are squarely within the crosshairs of this law. And the rest of the church will be there by interpretation the first time it gets in front of a judge and it's over. So, you know, technical arguments go nowhere because the direction of this law is clear. The direction of this is clear. It's to target the church. It, you know, the enemy always wants to normalize its sin. It wants to be called okay. For whatever reason, it seeks to validate in the church sin. But we like the model of God turning Saul into Paul, rather the church into a den of thieves. Amen? We don't want the church to be the den of thieves. We want to see the Sauls become Pauls. It will go the other way. So I thank you for entertaining that, listening to that. Be in prayer. Like I said, it is in front of the Senate now. Our elected representatives are considering passing this right now. We have a 50-50 tie in the Senate. Kamala Harris is the tiebreaker. Um, so that would be, if it were party line, as it kind of mostly is, that would be, but it's not going to be. There will be Republicans who want to vote for this. There are at least, I imagine, two, three, could be more. So we need God to move in this. Uh, they need to hear our voices and fear their people once again the way this government was designed. Any questions or comments? Yes. Chuck Schumer uh, introduced the uh, religious, what was it called? The Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And the intention of it was so that certain legislation that could have been interpreted to hit on churches and religions would not. Ted Kennedy authored a similar bill. They were sort of combined and they partnered together. Again, it was passed unanimously by the House and almost unanimously by the Senate and signed by Bill Clinton. And that law has 
you know, I learned in law school a lot of the interesting cases of, you know, people doing strange rituals on Indian land, you know, and it's their religious expression. Mostly this law protects minority religions, you know, beyond Christianity, is Islamic folks, people who practice, you know, religious practices that are fairly uncommon, but run into other laws, you know, federal laws, state laws, and this law steps in to say, we are a nation that recognizes your freedom to practice your religion, whatever that may be. And so this federal law, whatever it may be, will not impinge upon that, so long as you are not obviously injuring other people, hurting other people or property, you are free to practice your religion. It is just an extension of the First Amendment to say, you know, as we make as a nation these laws here, there, and here, and there, and here, and there, that those laws not be read to infringe upon your rights um, as uh, people of faith. But again, this law cites that law to say that it doesn't apply here, because it otherwise would by default. Why did they do that? Because they believe there is nothing higher than their ideology. This Sikh ideology, they believe, is higher than any religious belief any one of you may have, uh, no matter what that is. Quite a twist and a turn. Yes, Claire? Um, how can they call it the Equality Act if they're not treating infants the same way as they're treating adults? Because if they're not treating um, infants um, as equal to, well, full-grown versions of them, then how, does, how can they call it the Equality Act if they're not treating younger children and children my age and children younger than me how can they call that the Equality Act if they're not treating us fairly? Yeah, no Christian analysis of this law that you'll find calls it the Equality Act. I think they call it the Unequality Act for that reason. Uh, because, yes, infants, um, babies in the womb are given no value, uh, none. And, you know, parents know how to raise children. And when a child says, I want to change my gender, you know, when they're in middle school, parents are wise enough to say, there's some things we don't let you do. We don't let you run into traffic, and we don't let you change what God created you to be. Uh, this law, again, would put the schools who see your kids for most of the day, every day, between you and them. And if they think there's a way to influence them to do so through counseling, you don't have to be told. You don't have to be told what they're planning and what they're doing. If they get the sense that that's what your kid is interested in, or they convince them through the curriculum that that's what they should be interested in, you are not legally able to interfere. This is already happening in Canada. It's atrocious. And it's going to happen here if this law passes. But we we'll put it in the Lord's hands and take what action you can. Reach out. Make your voices heard. I hope you're not offended that we discussed it here today. But I think you understand, based on what I described, that the church, even if we wanted to be a, a, a quiet bystander, we're, we're directly in the target. We're in the crosshairs of this act. And so it doesn't, uh, we're going to pray. Continue to pray. This week, bring up this so-called Equality Act before the Lord again and again and again. And the people, the men and women who we've elected to be over there in Washington to vote on this thing, God can speak to them. Don't let them sleep. Don't let them comfortable, be comfortable until they voted against this thing. Amen. All right, we're dismissed.